Have you heard the new voice in supply chain? Well, check out my episode from last week when I talked to Kevin from Symphony Retail AI all about Cindy. Go and check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 82. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. And now a word from our sponsor. Like the products you manufacture, it is not unreasonable to expect the merchandise used to promote your brand to do so without posing risk to the recipients or the brand itself. Supply chain professionals can now play a leading role in protecting and growing their brand's reputation with the help of the Quality Certification Alliance. QCA is an independent, not-for-profit, 501c6 third-party accrediting and certification body dedicated to ensuring accountability throughout the promotional product industry supply chain. Visit qcalliance.org to learn more. Your brand is your organization's most valuable asset. Protect and grow it by aligning your values with QCA. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am gearing up for another amazing month full of crazy things that are happening. I am going to speak at a conference, an internal conference for one of the biggest beverage companies coming up this month. Plus, I might be doing some leadership training. And at the end of this month, I am gearing up towards a vacation, which I'm super, super excited about. So on today's episode, get ready to learn more about Centiro. They are people-driven logistics software. But before we do that, let's talk about the question of the week. So the question of the week was, what's your advice for retailers going global? And one of the reasons why I ask this is because of e-commerce and because we can touch corners of the globe that we've never really been able to touch before, um, it's important for us to take a look at other markets, but it's also important for us to know what is needed for going global. And I know that FIT, the Forum for International Trade Training, does a really, really great job of that. But let's get back to the community. So over on email, Dan Demir says, Hi, Sarah, focus on new rules allowing easier access to China under their relatively new cross-border e-commerce initiative. Over on LinkedIn, Enrique, I will summarize it in one word, traceability. Irina Rosca, demand is reasonable, regional. Don't use the same forecasting approach for all shelves. And Mr. Patel says there will be only one reason for going global and there are various factors to be considered. David Hauser, leading sales and operations. He's done that for a long time. So make sure that you take a look at efficiencies, WMS, and discover some unexpected um, during vertical growth. Tammy, I think that is really dependent upon product, AOV, customer service resources, SLAs to the consumer, and the overall desired consumer experience. And over on Instagram stories, Miguel says, consider that there are many cultures and countries and not all are like the ones that you know. 
So uh, thank you to everybody that weighed in on this question. I can't wait to see what your answers are going to be to next week's question. And remember, every single Wednesday, we've got that question over on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. We love to hear from the community, so make sure that you weigh in. And on today's show, I am speaking with Centiro about their software as a service platform that enables customers to manage and control transportation and supply chain activities. But before we do that, let's get to know our guest. His name is Nicholas Heaton, and he is the CEO of Centiro. As a visionary strategist and innovative entrepreneur, he has more than 25 years experience of how to structure, motivate, and lead organizations to tangible results above and beyond the expected. As a leader, he tries to infuse energy and vision and help paint the picture for leaders and individuals inside his organization and on the outside on how to turn impossible to possible. He works on creating a global team of collaborative stars focused on human factors, organizational dynamics, and skills needed to achieve sustainable results. He was recently ranked top three CEO of the year 2016 in Sweden and ranked top three leader of the year 2016 in Sweden as well. So welcome to the show, Nicholas. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, so you and I met at JDA's Icon last May when I approached you for a small two-question interview, and it was fun. You gave some really, really great answers, and I'm sure the audience is going to hear that later on. So thank you so much for chatting with me that day because, you know, it was just fun. I think we were having fun with those questions, and it's great to find out, you know, why you're there, what you're doing, and just to get to know a little bit more about you and Sentiro, which is what we are doing here today. So let's learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing. Can you talk to us and tell us who is Centiro and what exactly do you do? I think that's two million dollar questions right there. So so thank you for starting that off. Well, so first of all, we're a cloud-based software company. Um, and the question is, of course, what exactly do you do? Um, you could think about it in, in I'll give a couple of examples. Uh, so um, in an e-commerce setting, for sure, I think most listeners would know what that is, both as consumers and also as professionals. So you need to connect your delivery network, your transportation providers and whatnot, and connect your warehousing systems to that. So we're that bridge. For, for some folks, we are that delivery management capability that you can connect your carriers with. Uh, for some, we're the visibility tool they use to uh, see end-to-end in their order fulfillment, so making sure they can keep their promises. And for some now, we're also adding uh, artificial intelligence to find out how to optimize on profitability and, and on service levels. So um, the exactly what we do is kind of hard to nail down because we're a few different things to, to different folks. But uh, what we really do is we connect the, the external capabilities, the network you have in terms of partners, service providers, to get your uh, goods and stuff out there to your customers. I like that because, you know, I always say that collaboration is the future of business and being that connector is such an important part of supply chain. Um, So how did how did it get started? How did you, you know, 
jump right into this business? Well, it's uh, as many good things in life. It started as as a, uh, you could call it a mistake. I was a supply chain professional at the time. I was heading up a third-party logistics operation that were distributing videos for a very, very well-known uh, movie company. And on on uh, premiere day, we were hitting a couple of thousand locations with uh, deliveries, and they were all offset in time, which was a hard thing to do. We need to rewind the tape back to the 90s. And it screwed up uh, in the first instance. So this was when sell-through uh, broke through. Uh, I mean, this is pre-Netflix days, right? This is this is back in the days. So and block- I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so Blockbuster. Yeah, pretty much. But when Blockbuster, so when sell-through videos took off, so Blockbuster was replaced by selling sell-through in uh, in your grocery shops, etc. So it exploded in terms of number of distribution locations, distribution points we should reach, and what ended up hap- uh, what ended up uh, in this case was that I analyzed. Uh, why we screwed up and what the problem was. And it all came down to information quality and the connectivity with the carrier and n- basically the non-connectivity between the carrier and, and, and uh, the sending company in this case. So I started out to solve that problem. There was not, no software at the time. And uh, this is in Scandinavia, by the way, so, so for the listeners. And there were a couple of things happening in the US at the time, but the m- pr- most... Uh, often that was software created by the carriers, and, and this was simply not the case uh, here. And when I started to look at the market, the thing I was looking for was not there. So I decided to build it. Uh, and quite quickly, we got questions from leading carrier to, to create a system like that for them. So that sort of taught me that not only did it fix the problem in increasing quality and timeliness of deliveries, but it also opened up my eyes as the entrepreneur to see that, well, actually, here's a, here's a huge opportunity because no one at that time was addressing that market. Yeah, and that's how all great businesses seem to start, right? You're solving a problem for yourself and knowing that the market is out there. And I think that that is an amazing story. Um, so you mentioned Scandinavia, and that sort of leaves, leads into my next question for you. So how different is the supply chain community in Europe or Scandinavia than in North America? And is your messaging very different or are there different focuses when you're looking at the different markets? Yeah, and I'll give some context first before I answer that question. So first of all, we need to remember that today we're operating with customers in 125 countries. And actually, one of the first things we set out to do was to solve for the global issue, not just Scandinavia, but actually, how do we make this international and how do we solve this for for international uh, logistics and trade? And what you then realize is that uh, I remember my first trip to the U.S. uh, for one of our first sites over there. We actually sold in the U.S. before we sold in our hometown, which is kind of interesting. And I remember me walking in that warehouse and and just saying, first of all, I I didn't know what to expect, really, uh, when I went to the U.S., I thought this was ahead of the game. Uh, I was expecting uh, something something different, although if I shut shut my ears and just forgot they spoke English for a moment, I realized that everything is actually looks very much the same as to other environments I saw. You later then learn, of course, as a supply chain professional, that supply chain by definition is a global thing. It 
does connect uh, countries and, and, and markets seamlessly, uh, or it tries to anyway. And so I would say from a, for the kinds of customers we work with that have this global idea, it's not really that different because I would I would observe and say it's it's a global community of sorts. There are differences as, as to how people execute on their initiatives and how they go about certain things, but they're they're trying to do uh, they, they have a similar idea it, at least in many cases. Then then you, of course you can you could start to look at what is really different, but on a on a high level, it's it's kind of similar. Uh, the difference is, of course, uh, g- becomes geographical because Europe is not a, a United States of Europe. It is actually many different countries. So traversing these countries is different than traversing the states of the U.S., for example. And that is spoken like a true connector, right? And a true supply chain professional, because I think as supply chain professionals, we really look at the industry as global. Right. It's not North America or Europe or Scandinavia. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful things that, you know, comes from being a supply chain professional in in the industry. Yeah. And I think it allows us to compare uh, notes and and understand concepts, et cetera, and actually traverse them from from one point to the other. I think that is how the supply chain community evolves, by the way. So uh, because because we have that comparison as peers, uh, so we have a language to, to, that we t- that we speak, and we have things to talk about, and we see the same challenges. Although I may look at something differently if I'm in Asia than compared to if I'm in Canada, for example. But that, that's all natural. Well, and it's good to get the different perspectives as well, um, especially when you're running a business and looking at helping the supply chain professionals in different parts of the markets of, of the supply chain globally. So I want to go back to your model. Um, from my research, it looks like you're a SaaS-based supply chain software. Um, you know, it's getting to be a little bit more normal in the industry, but would you mind explaining what that means and how it works for, for our listeners? Yeah. Um, so uh, let's rewind the tape again, because the first time we did SaaS, and it was not called that at the time, was in 1990. It was in 2002. 2001 2002 which is many years ago if you think about it so we're we're we've been in this industry when it comes to using the internet as a connector between businesses for supplying mission critical functions for decades now and why is that different to having software installed on premise well to begin with it doesn't that's not only for us i mean it's for any software uh, that you use in the supply chain first of all uh, you can traverse the globe very, very quickly. You can uh, uh, connect uh, sites. You can spin up um, instances and and connect stores and whatever in no time because you don't you have nothing to install basically. If you implement software, you, of course, you, there's a project to run, etc. But in terms of the real technical stuff, you, there's nothing to do with it because it's all in the cloud. So that's the SaaS bit. And and it comes back then to who we are, because if you think about it, uh, we try to not look at what we do as, as a pure functional thing. Like there are software pieces you plug into a, net, into a warehouse and they do useful things. We see ourselves as connecting the dots. So 
Um, and if you accept that thought, that means we need to, there's no place in the network which is the better one. You need to be across it, over it, under it, in it. And, and that's the, well, the internet-based technology we today call cloud is excellent for that. So um, it comes back to a lot of things that, that is, uh, creates customer value in terms of how we can run security. We can run security in a whole different way than any of our, each of our customers could do. We can create connectivity, which no one of our connected partners could do on their own. So there, there are a lot of qualities that come, come with uh, both the, the technology and the way it's supplied. I don't know yeah, if that's think, sufficient for you. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And I think one of the key points there is also flexibility. So not only flexibility on your part, but you provide that flexibility for the customers as well. Um, you know, rather than having that traditional, you know, technology-based software that, you know, you have to build on. Yeah, and it also alleviates the pressure from from IT departments and 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 parts of a business which may be challenged by a lot of different things these days. Um, and you come to a more business centric conversation where we're talking about the business value. So think about, for example, Black Friday for a retailer. Uh, it's completely expected of us to be flexible in terms of volume increases, and you don't have to pay extra for that because it's it's just the nature of the cloud. You should right. expect us to totally deliver on business value uh, every transaction. So there are a lot of things you don't have to think about, which is sort of hidden in the model. Uh, so it, 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 as I've, I've seen this change in the industry, uh, not only in our own company, but actually as the industry, and it's turning more onto a business-centric conversation, which I really like. It's, it's getting away from the sort of technical plumbing stuff and bits and bytes and servers, etc. And we're talking more about what actually does, what, what's the value we need to create uh, for the network, for the customer, for the end customer, etc. That, those are two very excellent points, right? Because with so much technology, so much change happening, our IT departments are very, very busy. And I think it's a key point to say, you know, we're not only, you know, thinking about your supply chain teams, we're also thinking about your IT teams. And then again, your notion about being business centric and making it just easier for everybody to use and flexible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just think that that is, you know, that is one of the main points of business and things that people really should be looking for when they think about the different technologies that they need to run their business. Yeah, one thing I would add, if, you, if you're sitting out there and listening, so has your business started to slow down in terms of change speed or is it has it actually been speeding up over the last few years i don't know any business that has slowed down by the way so i see a lot of pressure that is put on uh, stakeholders to change and really it's it's sarah it's you and i driving that change as consumers because ultimately that drives into businesses but mm -hmm. it's so much going on in terms of technology change and behavioral change and, and and things going digital that you need that change speed and and the only way you can get to that is by doing away with a lot of stuff we used to do before just have that disappear and and that is what the model helps us do and not getting bogged down by all the IT functions. 
that we need to, you know, keep things moving on a day-to-day basis. So you already gave us an example of how it started, how it all started for you and why. You know, you were solving a problem that you had in your, your supply chain role. Um, but can you give us a real life example of how the work you've done with a customer has helped their business and what type of ROI did they see? Yeah. So first of all, I can I cannot disclose uh, names, uh, but you could say that in our customer roster, you find you find a lot of rock stars uh, and, and brands that we admire, uh, f- both for their supply chain innovation and the leadership they 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 have in the market. And we get to play important roles in these stories, and we're very happy for that. There are a number of things, uh, but it, I think the first thing we learn is that it's not the same thing for everyone. It's different. So one of the cases was, I'll give you a, uh, an example, which I think resonates with a lot of North American listeners is that, so typically you were, uh, one of our customers were wired to any one of the big brand uh, carriers, and that's fine. It's just that the customer pressure has, uh, they have had to get other carriers onboarded to have a more fine-grained network and also better services to cater for home delivery and, and pick off drop-off points, et cetera, whatnot. So they had to increase the service levels to the, to, to the customers. Now, remember that the, the previous time it took for that customer to onboard one carrier is between 9 to 12 months, and it's a project that would, would run for hundreds and thousands of dollars. Uh, wow. we, t- we took that down to uh, two to three weeks and a, a very, very, very different cost. I won't disclose what it was, but I can tell you it saved a lot of money. And, and um, it's not only on the money save, but actually it's, cr- of course, created a whole different strategic capability in following the market. Uh, so the big delivery there was twofold. I mean, first of all, we could increase the clock speed, uh, allowing them to change with the market, which actually affected top line at the end of the day. And also, it, it alleviated the, 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 their critical IT functions because they were working for months and months to get this done. They could now look at it from a more business-centric view and order it from us. And of course, that saved a lot of money, uh, no question. Uh, another example I will uh, use is whereby visibility parts helped our customer reduce uh, customer self-service um, visibility and also customer service, uh, empowering customer service with end-to-end visibility. Um, it saved them about 30% in terms of um, minimized calls. So 30% less calls to the call center and, and the time it took to serve a, any one customer. What you can learn, what the listener can know, if, if I don't know if they know or not, but on the top three list of any call center, you will find where's my order. And the typical time to service that call or, or request will be between six and eight minutes. I've seen many, uh, but it, it rarely comes uh, to, uh, uh, is to become a lot different than that. Imagine now if you could, A, make that self-service, and B, cut it down to, to 90 seconds. Um, that is, of course, a huge ROI. And if you, so, so in this particular case, we monitored and measured, and we could see that uh, the, the effect on the, on the call center was astounding. And yet you see so many companies that still do not provide uh, customer-facing visibility or end-to-end visibility, which is actually 
it's both easy and hard at the same time. But people seem to not think about that as, as, a, as a thing they can actually do. Absolutely. So you are, you know, when working with Centero, you're, they're looking at saving, you know, not only being more cost effective on the IT side, but they're also looking at being more cost effective on customer service side as well. I mean, knowing that six to eight minutes and being able to reduce that by 30% is huge because not only is that from a bottom line perspective, but we're looking at it from a customer experience perspective as well, because that not only increases the customer experience um, that the consumer is having, which from my research also leads to increased sales because they will be back. They will, and I think uh, th- this is well demonstrated in 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 the e-com and retail community today. And I think we vote vote with our feet. Uh, we become much less tolerant, and we look much more to convenience. That is a theme we see in our research as well. That spans across many many countries, and uh, it's no question. Uh, and it's moving fast as well. So we're we as consumers are becoming a lot more picky. Yeah, and it um, actually goes to competitive advantage, right? Because if you're able to increase that customer experience, you're then increasing your competitive advantage. And I know when I did some research before this interview that, you know, you talk a lot about cost efficiency, which you just spoke about in the example that you gave. Um, But you also talk about it versus competitive advantage, because it seems like most people or most companies need to choose between the two. Why is that? You know, why do companies usually need to choose between these two functions? Because we really shouldn't have to. I completely agree. And I think if you think about it, so if you gaze out and, and look at many supply chain organizations, they were typically tucked down in, into the P&L somewhere as a cost center. And the the mandate they have is to, or, or the order they have is to increase on-time delivery, but do it at lesser and lesser cost. So supply chain was always the delivery of lesser cost. And uh, but if you look at the winners in the market these days, that is where, this, or not only these days, but actually for, for a fair amount of time, uh, good quality businesses have made supply chain their business partner. It is actually on the top three in terms of strategic capabilities in many companies. And if you then, you, you still need to run a, a cost-efficient sh- uh, shop, etc. However, cost efficiency will never become a strategic advantage, will never become a sustainable advantage that you can keep. Because as soon as you figure out what's cost effective, someone else will too. So um, we're cognizant that some people need to save money, et cetera, and that, that's fine. However, over time, you need to b- use your supply chain as your competitive advantage. And some of these times that requires you, why is that different than to cost saving? Well, it, it will have you invest in something that may not look profitable uh, f- from the get-go. And I'll give you one example. So w- I, l- let's talk about profitable inefficiencies. One of those things is, is um, the depot of a Formula One race. So uh, imagine if you were to run that in a lean fashion, you would have one guy on part-time to change the tires when the Formula One car comes in to change, right? Whereas um, we all know that won't win 
the game or win the race. You need uh, seven, eight uh, highly skilled people that are fully trained in not only changing the tires, but fuel, refueling the car as well if you're going to win that race. So competitive advantage may look costly sometimes uh, if you just look at it from a pure cost standpoint. However, if you want to win the race, you need different capabilities. And that's when uh, we start to look at these things that were functional and done to reduce cost, etc., in a whole different light. So what if now you need to compete and come out? And I know in the US, for example, Amazon is rolled out next day with Prime. And how do you compete with that? Well, it's not, <laughs> you can't do it. You need to do something different. Um, and if you're going to increase the speed, for sure, that's going to cost you initially, but it may also be required to win. Um, and we have, we try to work with customers that are looking for that competitive advantage because that turns into then more business-centric conversation about how supply chain connects to the top line and how, how you actually go win with customer service and customer centricity. If you're just chasing the pennies, I, I think you're, to be honest and transparent, I think you're set up to lose in, the, in this very, very uh, challenging market uh, right now. I would absolutely agree with you. Um, we need to stop chasing pennies and be fo more focused on the competitive advantage and how the different departments, and I speak about this a lot on the show, the different departments can collaborate to ensure that competitive advantage and using supply chain to also help reduce costs and increase in co competitive advantage in different areas of the business. So, and I love your analogy about the race car. Um, I've never thought about that for supply chain before, but I think that a lot of our listeners are going to be able to resonate with that. Yeah, and, 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 and just don't get me wrong now, because people may get annoyed out there and say, well, he's talking about being sloppy with cost. No, absolutely not. Be particular. So be particular where you are cost efficient and where you spend so that you do create your competitive advantage. So it's not about, uh, but it's also wrong to say you need to save everywhere because that ultimately will end up killing you uh, as a business. Uh, so be particular. That, that's my message. I love that. Really, really like that. So um, let's just talk a little bit about what industries do you work with and when should people look to bring Centero in? So first of all, uh, looking at the industries, there are, tr uh, I would say, three different uh, bigger buckets. Two of them are uh, retail e-com. So th anything from your pure play uh, e-com business just playing off the web to retailers who are turning into multi-channel omni-channel or or just well plain out serving customers in all channels they can Th this is i think is, is blurring uh, now as a concept uh, it used to be called omni-channel etc but in reality it's just serving the customer wherever you, you they're requesting that touch point so Retailers e-com, and that also includes consumer brands because consumer brands are turning digital. They're turning directly to consumers and they start to behave like retailers. So they have to start using not only their partner network they have from the past, but also turning into direct deliveries uh, and, and, and facing the consumers directly. So that bucket is filled with consumer brands, retailers, and e-com. Second bucket is logistics providers, and, and they actually come in two different sort of strands. One of them is your classical asset-based 3PL. We could all sort of think about with warehouses, sheds, trucks, etc. 
we serve uh, we have some of the biggest uh, 3PLs companies uh, on the planet as customers very proud of that uh, you also have what I would call a new breed which is the asset less so the ones that uh, I wouldn't call them 4PLs because they're really not uh, they're they're something new that I don't know what to call but actually they're they're spun out of a digital sort of network uh, that is physically resembled through multiple parties. So the way they create the service is by buying components and then creating a service using a platform. And we're that platform for those parties. So we we are the reason why they can transact with, with their customers. Um, it's sold as one service, but in reality, it's produced to, through multiple components. So that's the logistics industry in two, sort of divided in two sub-buckets. The third one is where you find uh, manufacturing companies, uh, wholesalers, and a whole bunch of other folks. Uh, that is sort of a, uh, it's not miscellaneous, but I would say the big part there is manufacturers. Um, and then a, a couple of other sort of industries, uh, pharma, etc. Anyone who's, and so when should they turn to us? Well, anything, anytime you have something that is time sensitive, it needs precision and delivery. And you need to know where it is, and it has some kind of value. The more value, the more time sensitive. And you could think about e-com now as something that is time sensitive of high value. Uh, spare parts is. A lot of things are actually, uh, regardless of industry. Then that is a very good moment to, to come to us. If your uh, market is challenging you to come up with new services, uh, you, you are required to well, it could be cost-cutting, uh, actually. could be that you need to spin up new services very quickly. could be that uh, to expand your channels. We helped one uh, U.S. Uh, famous brand, uh, together with one of our partners and customers, to go from only delivering in the U.S. to actually add tens and twenties and thirties and forties of co uh, countries they could deliver to because they realized their, co their community was global. Uh, the people who turned to their website was, was a global community. I, I like that um, because, and I think my question, uh, one of my questions of the week is about who is dominating global e-commerce um, and who's doing it right and, and why are they doing it right? And it sounds like you could be a great proponent of that. So I want to just take the conversation real quick into another direction because I, while I was doing the research for this interview, I love your message about supply chain talent and why they should work for your company. Can you tell us about your talent acquisition and retention strategy? Because I think it's important for other supply chain professionals to hear this because we're having such a ch challenge with talent and retention. It's a great question. I, I should mention that when founding the company, now remember we're today a 300-headed company growing uh, like crazy and we're, we're working across uh, both Europe and the US and, and, and APAC. But uh, when I started the company, uh, I wrote a sentence before I hired the first person. And I wrote, this should be the best company to work for, uh, for customers and employees alike. And uh, so not only to work for, but also to work with. And so I gave myself a mission to build something that was different in terms of leadership culture and just plain out how to organize things. There are many, uh, not the listeners wouldn't, wouldn't acknowledge they work in a broken uh, organization, but we could think about one that we know, uh, uh, an organization we struggled in, a boss that did, wouldn't listen to you, 
uh, you, you were not seen or, or heard um, uh, or appreciated as, as an employee, etc. I wanted to create something that was radically different. And the way we think about talent is that we talk a lot about the whole person perspective when we hire these days. So uh, if someone comes in uh, to us and, and they may have a fit for that job description, but we're curious, what else do you bring? Is what, What's your energy? What's your attitude? What, what, what exactly do you want to do? And by the way, uh, what, what is your special skill? So we have uh, one of our architects, for example, he's real good. Uh, he, uh, he's amazing when it comes to barbecue. So much so that he now runs on a sponsorship on Instagram <laughs> with, with, a, with a barbecue brand. And, and you, you would think, well, why is that important? Well, we want to learn what his drivers are. And if we can make him feel successful, uh, we see the whole person and we're acknowledging that we have it with a whole person to do. Uh, and if we can make him feel fulfilled and successful, he's going to stay. Uh, so it's, it's about attracting people preparing them as good as you can for the next job but treating them in such a way so they won't leave <laughs> simple yeah and, yeah and a holistic approach and i i appreciate you sharing that insight and sharing your secrets on that because you know i think a lot of things are changing and we need to take different perspectives and look at it very very differently as we move into the future of talent and retention and so on that note let's find out i mean we we have learned so much about what you are doing how you are it and you know what drives you but what's next what does the future look for look like for Centiro? i think the the future looks very bright or i don't think i know the future looks very bright from where we can sit and observe right now um uh, uh, we're expanding a lot in in the u.s that's for sure so we're we're attracting customers and we're also building out the organization in the u.s that's um it's not a next it's actually what's going on right now it's also, I think, the industry is changing slightly. So, and that's really, really exciting. So, when we see customers changing the conversation too about going from a, well, I have a bunch of warehouses, I have a bunch of stores. Uh, by the way, they belong to retail, so I don't really control them. To the insight where they say, actually, I have a service network. I have a, I have a uh, multitude of points out there which I all could use for service. They may be my own, they be, may be through parties, etc. And that changes the game uh, for people like us and it changes for the industry. So it becomes more network-centric, much more value-centric, uh, and that's really, really exciting. So my biggest job right now is to think about how does that conversation run? What do, what do we talk about? We're talking to industry analysts about what do we call this thing? Um, where is it taking us? Uh, and what does, uh, how does it enable us and set us up for innovation? So it's truly, truly thrilling. And, and, and we're not resting for any one given second. We're, we're, we're working as hard as we can on innovation and, and, and really plowing forward on making the next thing hit the, hit the streets and hit the market to, to help our customers. Great. Well, I am excited to see what's next for Centero. Centero is the type of company that puts people first and leads the way into the future for supply chain software. I hope that you enjoyed learning about what they do and how they are revolutionizing the industry just as much as I did. For more information about Nicholas, Centero, and this episode, be sure to go to letstalksupplychain.com 
forward slash season two dash episode 85 or visit their website at centiro.com. Thank you to your team. Thank you to Nicholas for coming on the show and making this happen. Thank you, Sarah. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. If you like this episode, subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss any episodes. Plus, you can look back through season one to check out more of the episodes. Next week, stay tuned. It's Woman in Supply Chain series, and we're back with Lori Harner. She's the Senior Director, Solution and Content Marketing at JDA Software, and she takes us on a journey of her success, what that's looked like, what risks she's taken, as well as some challenges that she's overcome. So you're not going to want to miss that episode. Plus, if you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts as well over on YouTube. Subscribe to us at the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Visit and sign up as we are almost in full beta. And if you're a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, Gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best data to reduce shipping risks, then you're not going to want to miss out on this one. Next, go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. That's where you're going to find my supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you will need to succeed in supply chain. I also have some inspirational merchandise. I've got some tank tops, some t-shirts based on some of the quotes that I use in this show. And lastly, go and rate and review the show on iTunes so other people can find us. Plus, I will mention your review on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much to the community. Thank you for all your love and support. And remember, everybody, ship happens.